Hey, toy family! Welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour, where we talk everything designer toys. <laughs> I'm Gary Ham. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to do this better this time. I, I was, know, I right? Over one hundred percent. Come on, Gary. Hey, do it again. Hey, toy family! This is the Marsham Toy Hour. <laughs> no, you screwed up the name of the show. <laughs> okay, for, for reals. Hey, toy family, welcome to the Marchand Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. I'm George Gaspar. Back from her strike, I'm Jessica Gaspar. <laughs> hey, Jess. Yay! <laughs> so let me just start off by saying this has been really hard to pull off, because this is... We're recording just after DesignerCon. We've been wanting to do a DesignerCon wrap-up. But as everyone knows, DesignerCon happens to fall on the weekend before Thanksgiving. So it's not easy to get three people on a call to talk for two hours. George, you had house guests. You had Dr. A and his family staying at your place. They left this morning, so we couldn't let record last night. And today, Teresa's mom, dad, and brother arrived in town. And, then, and they're staying at her house. And guess where she's recording? It's 11 o'clock at night for her, and she's like holed up in her master bedroom closet to, to do this record with us. Truth. So, I am, I, they are in bed sleeping, and I'm here in my closet. And of course, it's a room that's not insulated. So I'm literally sitting here covered in blankets <laughs> for you all. <laughs> I appreciate the sacrifice. Because we, we realized by going to DesignerCon that. If we, you and I were planning on just doing it ourselves last night, Teresa, but really, George is the star of the show. Like, we can't do this show no. without George. <laughs> and Jess, George. It goes George, then Jess, then, Ter- then Teresa, and then myself. So we realized, like, we can't do this wrap up without George. So Teresa's like, okay, I will figure out some sort of way to do this with, with my family in town. And so here we are. So thank you. Teresa for making the sacrifice. I'm trying. I don't know if I'd call George the star, but oh, he's the most talked about. He's the most wanted. I, feel like I have more I star quality than George. You're the, you're the funniest. You're you're the funniest. You you're a nice little. I'll take that. I think reading the comments on Facebook, no one even took a picture or met me. Everybody was meeting you and Teresa and Gary, and like yeah. no one was like, oh, I met George. Like no one even cared. Oh, no I think that's just because Teresa and I are seen walking around together most of the time. And I think because of that, people have been starting to give us some nicknames. We've been hearing – what are some of the names you've been hearing, Teresa? Therese Ham. Therese Ham. Ham Hawk. Ham Hawk. That's the best one. Ham Hawk. It is. I vote for Ham Hawk if people are going to adopt something. Therese yeah. Ham is horrible. Sorry, Jeremy. It's awful. <laughs> but no. At the end of the day, though – Regardless of who's the star, or whatever Gary, I did. You know, we were talking with George, and he was like, "Oh, I can't do it." But no, I was like, "We can't do this without George." We so can't. there's no way. This, my closet situation is worth it. Can Can Hamhawks be the name of the like the people that listen to the show? No, we call no. them. We've decided. Uh, what's the name that we came up with, Teresa? Or you came up with? Marshamites. Marshamites. Oh, Marshamites. Marshamites. It's kind of cute, right? Oh, I think it's I like okay. Hamhawks. <laughs> no, that's us. We can't name our listeners our name. All right, guys, it's eleven o'clock for Teresa. I gotta throw a twenty-pound turkey in the oven in a few hours, so let's get this thing going. <laughs> How many no, I don't have a twenty-pound turkey, I, but I, we are cooking for family tomorrow. So, 
I, I still need to research how to cook a turkey in the oven. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Designer Con. All previous years, it's been held in Pasadena. It outgrew the space. This year, they decided to move it to Anaheim, the Anaheim, uh, Anaheim Convention Center, directly across the street from Disneyland. So if you go out there with a family, you can walk to Disneyland within probably five minutes. We all arrived in town on Thursday. We all stayed in Anaheim. What did you guys think? What was your first impressions of rolling into town and walking into the convention center for the first time? Cool. Do you want me I definitely like the town of Pasadena better than I like the town of Anaheim around Disneyland. Totally Uh, agree, yeah. Pasadena has a way cooler vibe. Uh, It's just easier. There's better things to eat. There's just nicer. It's just a nicer area. Everything around Anaheim Convention Center is tourist trap, tchotchke garbage. But the convention center is way easier to get in and out of for load in, load out. And that's all I'm going to say about that, so it's not a boring story. <laughs> Thanks for sparing us, George. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was much much nicer in that regard. Yeah, and getting the badges was, it was easy. And I, the one thing I'll say, I drove in so many hotels just within walking distance. So that's a, that's a nice change. That there's so many hotel options. They were actually affordable. I think most of the places ran between one forty to maybe two hundred bucks a night because you're at Disneyland. Breakfast was included at most places, either buffet style or what have you. So, yeah, that was nice that was included. And everywhere that I saw us staying and other people staying, you could walk to the convention center within five to ten minutes. And then plenty of food options around. So we uh, walked hotel to the convention center in like, what, a five-minute walk. We easily obtained our badges. And then we actually opened the doors into the convention center. And holy shit, it was huge. Did you guys get that Max. massive impression? Yes. 100%. Yeah, when I first yeah. walked in that backloading dock area and saw all the booths, I was like, wow, this is a this is a whole different convention now. This is a whole different ball game when you have that many booths in there. The the intimate friend convention is a thing of the past. It's more of an actual convention now. Like it used to feel like we were just hanging out and yeah, we had booths and yeah, we were selling stuff, but like it was more just like artists and friends gathering together to, to talk and hang out. But now it's like, oh no, this is a convention. We're at a convention center. We're at a, you know, there's a, there's a million giant booths. There's big booths from big companies. There's little guys, and you're at a convention. Yeah, totally agree. No, I I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I would never say the magic's gone because all the vendors and all the artists and all your friends are still there. You're still able to obtain the toys that you want. It's just different. It's just so big. You walk in the doors, you're like. Jesus, this is going to take me forever to walk through. And there's just so many big boos and pavilions and things are just on a much grander scale. So if you showed up there not wearing your best pair of walking shoes, you were you were screwed. You used to be able to, uh, you used to, be able to walk the show in an afternoon and, and feel like you could have seen it. There's no way you can walk this show in an afternoon. Like, it's, a it's, a, it's, it's full two days walking around and you'll still miss stuff. Yeah, I it's, spent three days in there and still missed stuff. I think one of the days, I so my phone tracks my steps, and I think on one of the days it told me I walked over 10 miles and 20K steps, which is insane to me. I mean, you think one hall is enough, and then you cross through and realize there's a whole other one that's the exact same size to walk. I mean, it's huge. I think that's because the aisles were extremely far apart this time. 
So to give people yeah, an idea know, of how wide the, the, the aisles were, I think you could have parked two Hummers side by side in one aisle. Like they were wide. Well, they were, yeah, not, well, they were 20 feet. They were, I don't know if they were too That's two I Hummers guess, side yeah. by side. Yeah, it was, it was 20 feet between aisle. It was 20 feet between the booths in the aisle. So the, the aisle was two booths wide, basically. So it was no longer where if you're on a row with someone – and you have your neighbor next to you, and then you have your neighbor across the way, where you're kind of being able to like, you could throw a little something at them if you're friendly, and you know, you can you can fool around. It wasn't that anymore. Like you'd have to pitch it across the way. Like it felt like they weren't even part of the same group. When, when right. Yeah. It. I think you know. I know at Pasadena, and especially some of the halls, like the hall C, and then the small front carpeted area. The aisle space was always an issue. And I remember yeah. walking through there. There would be people where backpacks would, like, smack someone's table display and knock stuff over. And people would be trying to scooch past. And it was nuts. So, like, totally understand trying to improve that. And they did They did make it a lot better. But I almost feel like they went too wide. Like, because like you said, you know, the booths were so far apart, the ones facing each other. And when we were walking through it, I mean... You're, when you're walking down the middle of the aisle and there's people on either side, you're kind of missing the booths. And it's kind of hard to be able to walk through an aisle and look both left and right at the same time yep. because it was so spacious. Yeah, you definitely – if you were going to walk an aisle, you had to walk down one side and up the other side of the same aisle. Exactly. Right. Or kind yeah. of ping pong back and forth. Yeah, because, I mean, there were t- – I mean – I really tried. Gary and I, like, we said, okay, we're going to start on one end and, like, work our way around at one point. And it was just like, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? Because you'd think you could go down an aisle and hit both sides, but you really couldn't. Yeah. Um, I think and because of that, I think a lot of the booze didn't get the up-close and personal looks. I think a lot of people would just walk right down the middle. So there's 10 feet on either side of you, and you just look left and look right. And a lot of people weren't seeing the booze up-close and personal and seeing the small stuff. Right. And like what George said, because the aisles are so wide, you're really just walking the aisle twice or three or four times to see everything in that aisle. Which makes so. that even bigger convention, which makes it a double size convention. <laughs> yeah. of, right? Instead of 20 aisles, you've now got 40 aisles to walk down. Now, I will say because of the wider aisles, I think it was a little deceiving in the fact that it never felt – I was in there for three days, and I never stopped to think that – it feels busy and crowded in here. And I think that was just a deception. I'm sure the attendance was just as good, if, if not better, than previous years. Yeah, I, I definitely think the attendance was probably around the same. I don't know if it was – I don't know if it was much more, if it was more at all. But it definitely – it wasn't less, for sure. It definitely felt – it felt like it was pretty even with last year. One way to tell that was the preview night where – you know, you know, there's only a certain amount of people from normal attendees in there, and it still felt like it didn't feel empty. But then the next day, it definitely felt like there was more people in the hall. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that, and I, I do think it's a perception thing, Gary, because I do, especially on Saturday. I mean, I definitely felt like okay, like it's hopping, there's people around. But I think because the aisles, the aisles were so wide. It didn't feel packed, which in a way is kind of nice, right? The whole goal of it was so that you weren't having to push and shove through people. Yeah, I definitely thought it was nice to be able to – you can stand at a booth and talk to people on the other side, and no one felt like they were blocking the aisle. Right. Yeah. Like you weren't in anyone's way. So there's there's pluses, you know, good. it's good and bad, but they did feel extra wide. (laughs) I wouldn't mind them two feet – two feet shorter – 
Yeah. Yeah, and the one, no. the other, the other, probably negative. The the biggest negative I think was the uh, they didn't have any of the aisle markings, so there was there was nothing in the air or there was nothing on the ground to be able to tell what aisle was what. All you had to rely yep. on was the tiny sign at the back of someone's booth if they happen to have kept it up, which most people don't. Yeah. So that was a little hard to find people. It was a little bit. It's it's one of the things that they they really. <laughs> for next year is to put aisle aisle markers up i heard that complaint a lot and i have to say Teresa was in there for three days and at no point did she ever know where she was she was Uh. lost she was lost at every single turn if she said gary i'm gonna go to horrible adorables and she would start walking there i'm like Teresa, it's behind us or she'd go okay it's time to leave and she would start leaving towards the exit and she'd start walking towards the back of the hall never did Teresa have any concept of direction in that building never oh my gosh (laughs) I and you know so like I will say Gary you can you can back me up they're like I can be good at directions like we've been around in New York you're all like oh I don't know and I'm like this way Gary like I can't I do have a sense of direction but for some reason in that building because it all looked the same it like the same lights the same whatever it's just like I kept getting turned around and that the the thing you mentioned George about people taking their signs down so many booths didn't have the numbers So I couldn't look at a booth and be like, oh, where am I at? I had to like figure out I'd be pulling up the app on my phone or whipping out the map like a tourist, like unfolding it, trying to figure out where the heck I was. It was bad. I never once really felt like I understood the layout of that place. Um, So I agree. I think some kind of way to help people know where they're at. I mean, it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is the dinosaur room, like the Jurassic Park one or the (laughs) Metacom room. Like what are the big things I can notice? But, but yeah, it, it it got a little like a Disneyland parking lot in there in the sense that you had your markers and you, you were in the, the goofy zone or the dinosaur zone. That's how you knew where you were and how to get around and find your car or your booth or whatever. But for me, I, I know that Ben added an extra hall when he knew that Metacom was coming into the pavilions and he wanted to have more walking space. And, and I think that's great. But at the same time, I think – I feel like they could do the convention with – the remove one of the halls. And I think we, do, we could fit all in one hall. I think that would be better for next year. Just curate the booze a little bit better, shorten the aisles a little bit, maybe get rid of a few things. And I think we could fit in one hall and not necessarily need both halls. Yeah, it's just the two halls, you know, I, I'm kind of with you, Gary. I I don't know. I don't know if the two halls was necessary or not. And I think the other hard part was, as you mentioned, George, like I know a lot of vendors who were wanting to pop over and say hi to other vendors. But like one might be working at 101 and you're all the way over at 2424. I mean, it's crazy to try to span that distance and find people and hang out, especially as a vendor. I mean, I know it was a struggle for me trying to bounce between booths. So it was hard. I wanted to get a, a, a pin from Patrick Ballesteros and it was, he was the, like the farthest it could ever be from where <laughs> I was. Like, he was like the opposite wall, almost the very end. And I was just like, finally made it over there on Sunday. I just ran over real quick to get it, but it was, it was tough. Like I didn't really get to walk around as much as I would have liked because halfway through I was trying to walk and just was like, I can't, there's just, there's too much. Yeah. So I just yeah. gave up. And to yeah, describe it for anyone who wasn't there, I mean, designer con started out as VTN vinyl toy network. So you would go there and you would know that you're only going to be seeing designer toys or vinyl toys or whatever, but now it's designer con. And so it's just an artist driven, anyone who kind of, 
designs their own stuff or independent dealers. There's just so many styles and so many things being represented there now from plushes and t-shirts and pins and shirts and art prints. It's all a mixed bag. And if you walk down any aisle, it's a sprinkling of a little of everything. And because of that, if the event's going to be this big again next year, I almost feel like I would like to see uh, the block section that we saw at a San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con or a New York Comic-Con to where I would know and could hang out primarily in the designer toy section versus having to ping pong across this ginormous hall again. Wouldn't that be boring though? Do you really just want to go like, cause then like if you're not into prints right at that second, you're like, oh, I'm not going to even go in that whole area and you might miss yeah. something cool. See, that's where I struggle because part of me likes the block idea because it would make my life easier. Like, okay, yeah. I just go here and I could do all my shopping, but I can also see why it was mixed because the whole goal is to, you know, people come in for one type of thing, but they might peruse the other stuff. And so I worry a bit if it's not mixed the way it was, will people, like George said, will people actually go out and explore the other areas or are they going to go to the one that they know they want to hit up? Um, I don't know. I struggle a lot with what the right, which which is the right way to go about it. Cause, but I, cause I do have to say the way it was mixed, I mean, it was tricky because like I had a list of at least booths I was interested in and trying to find them almost did like kind of felt like a needle in a haystack. Like we going down a bo- an aisle, trying to figure out what aisle it is. Is it on the left or the right? Okay. I'm seeing like shirts here and pins here and, Oh, okay. There it is. Like buried between those booths. But it, you know, by me going out there and finding my booths, I'm perusing all the others in the process. So it's hard. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard talking about in this podcast, too, because I think we come across sounding like it's a negative event, and I don't want that to be the case. We're just giving our honest, constructive criticism of it. You know, a lot of people, when they go on social media, they don't want to say how they truly thought felt about the event. They want to be, oh, yeah, it was amazing. It was the best thing ever. I'm going to be there again next year. And that's that's not what our job is to do. Our job is to talk about how we saw it and how it was for the other vendors that we talked to. And honestly, a lot of the vendors we talked to, and we talked to a lot, it was not a great convention for them. Yeah, there's a lot of them that did say it was very good for them. It was the best event yet. And I think a lot of those booths tend to be more towards the front, uh, benefited from that great real estate placement. But there are also people that were in the back. Paul Kaiju, Sour Lemon, uh, Mutant Vinyl Hardcore. You know, there's some booths you can just put them anywhere and they're going to do well. So, but majority of the booths we talked to did mention sales were not as good they as good this year as previous years. Sales were down. They were down on the size and the scale and the number of vendors. So some of them actually very established and you know popular booths are questioning are they going to be there next year. So it's uh it's not a perfect event by any means. There're definitely some growing pains going into this event and I still feel like next year if they wanted to with a little curation of the booze, they could probably get it down to a single hall again. There was a lot of dead space. The Jurassic Park area, the panel section, that whole far side was a lot of wasted space. And then I think because they opened up the hall, that opened up the floodgates to the waiting list. And I think on the waiting list, there's a lot of vendors that really were not designer con material. In, in my opinion, a lot of them looked like something that I would see at, at a comic convention selling like old mainstream toys. And there was a few booths that I saw only selling pops and just just some weird kind of strange booth that just did not fit the vibe of, of, of a designer con. So I do feel like if they wanted to, they can just curate it and get it down to a single hall. 
and uh, we, then we wouldn't need that block situation at all. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I mean, it did seem like there was um, stuff there that didn't fully belong. And I agree with the dead space, especially on the side with the Jurassic Park. And that was the same side as Funko, right? The Saturday morning's booth, Gary? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, like, that whole side, and it's hard to explain for people that were there, but there was, it did feel like that they kind of spread them more than they really need to, and there was a lot of extra space. And I especially felt bad for these booths that were tucked in weird spots. Like, Thousand Toys, I felt bad. They were kind of in a weird little spot. There were some booths along the that edge of the building over there just felt randomly placed. So there were a few spots where they didn't feel like they were in the heart of the building, and I felt bad for them because of that placement. I mean, it did seem like there was a lot of unnecessary space because of it. Yeah, there was some definite prime real estate in that building. And then there was the case where there were some just horrible placement for some people. I just, I felt bad for some people. The one that you're actually talking about, the two boos that were kind of just free floating off in the. They were basically next to the panels yeah. in the dead zone. Next to the panel. Right. Air- Alex Solis was sitting over there. And honestly, I'm sorry, Alex. I didn't stop by to see your booth because you were like another 30, 40 feet away from the last booth that I stopped at, which was a thousand toys. And I would just kind of look at your booth from 40 feet away. And I'm like, fuck, my feet hurt. I'm not going to walk all the way. There. So you and I, I forget who the other booth was. I couldn't really make it out, but I didn't make it all the way over there. You had an absolute shit spot. And if you're listening yep. to this, hopefully they can rectify that for you if you decide to go next year. Those two booths that were floating at that end there, that just needs to be, like, that part of the building needs to be cut off. Like, just, <laughs> I, I don't know why the shape, like, why is the building shaped the way it is over there? But, like, it was the worst corner. Like, the where the panels were, I get you don't have a panel room, so you kind of make it into this little section of the hall. But, like, the that whole that whole area was was Weird. a crap fest. It was. It was, it was it like, was. the worst. And that's why it well, worked for Funko because, you know, that fan base is just going to go directly to that booth. It didn't matter where you put the Saturday morning's booth. They were going to go there. So they they were actually tucked away in this weird corner or it would have been a weird corner for anybody else. But it worked for Saturday mornings. But for all yeah. the other booths, that area just didn't work. It was a very strange area to walk in. Yeah, nothing because there was no row over there. There was no it wasn't like you could walk an aisle and get to them. They were just on right. their own little like section off into the side. And it was like, especially those last two in the corner, I was up on a panel. I was a moderator on a panel and I'm looking <laughs> over this, these two booths by themselves, like <laughs> everyone. And I'm just thinking, what is going on over there? Like right? no talk to them. Like it's too far. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so, so bad. And then behind the thousand toys booth was this like really weird skinny fied enamel pin kind of section like all of a sudden you see this weird cluster of booths with like no aisle space i don't know yeah, what was going were, on in that area what, how did they do that like how did they set up in the aisles like where were, where did their aisles go yeah i don't know it was the that i honestly didn't really peruse that very much because i was just so confused like i went <laughs> over to a thousand toys because don was there and you know i knew other people it's like just like we're talking about, there's certain booths you just go visit. It doesn't matter where they're at. But that whole area behind them was just weird. It was these weird tables with chairs and weird skinny aisles. I was like, I don't know what this It was is. the VR section. They had like the Tower of Disney pins booth over there. And then well, yeah, that- the thing about that enamel market section was like, it was 
it was all these little tiny enamel market booths like cramped together with no aisles. But then all <laughs> around them was empty. <laughs> why didn't right? they just spread out a little bit? <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah. It, it's just, it, I don't know, just thinking through whether it's two, two halls or one hall or whatever, but just trying to create you know, consistent aisles and stuff for everyone versus these weird pockets. Cause it was just, you'd be in, and then even in some of the, some of the aisles, right. You'd be down the aisle and then there'd be kind of a weird break for like a larger booth or a pavilion and you kind of lose your way. It's like the oh, aisle. Was broken up, yeah. Those big, those big booths that broke up aisles was, that was a mess. Cause then yeah. you, now you have to go around this booth into a different place to try and find your way back to the aisle that you were in. And go back into the. Yes. Like, was, you couldn't walk an aisle with a booth in the middle of it. Like, what's? Why would that? Why would they do that? I don't know. Yeah, that was it, weird. It was tricky because I mean, and, and you could tell. Like, I don't know the way I walked to the floor. Any of those booths, there were like a handful that were like in front of those weird breaks. And frankly, I missed them. Like, because you just kind of say, oh, like, oh, there's a blockade. I'll just kind of, I'll come back, right? Like, I'll just. I'll move back around in the next dial and move around and you kind of miss those weird pockets. Not as bad as the whole Jurassic Park random boost by the panels, but there were some weird breaks. So I don't know yeah, like if there's a way. The Metacom, to... Like around the Metacom booth, especially yeah. it was just like, yeah. they were just a big blockade in the middle of the aisle. It was like, what do you, why is this booth here? <laughs> yeah. They almost, and maybe that's what it is. Like maybe the big pavilion-y stuff needs to kind of be either along a wall or like, an area like all together versus spread out and breaking stuff up. It's almost like, could they create the yeah, Medicom like that back, and pop Medicom that back corner in that big empty spot and make it cause they need right. the space. They need the space for their lines. They need all like, they need the room, right. put them in that back corner. I agree. Yeah, put pop life, Medicom and yeah. Funko all in that back wall. They, yeah. They and all those together. weird cars too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a for anyone who wasn't there. There was a car show. There was I counted a total of eight cars at that show. Only eight, and, and a, so there's a tour bus and two like low rider cars at the Pop Life booth. At the Jurassic booth, there was the Jeep and another Jurassic car. There, then there was a Pizza Planet truck. Then at the Decorner booth, there was like a little red car. I have no idea why that was in his booth. And then there was another car at. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the booth, but it was, was, it was kind of at the hundreds booth. And don't forget the Ecto launched out back by the enamel market too. Oh, that's right. So not everywhere. And I don't know. I, I don't personally get it. It felt very weird. I mean, some of it like the Jurassic park and the stuff at pop life, maybe like the tour bus and the pizza planet kind of get, but some of it was just like, Oh, here's like a random car just sitting in the middle of the <laughs> hall. <laughs> Like, I, I just, it, I don't know. Maybe other people enjoyed it. Maybe it's just me because I don't do cars. But I was like, I don't get it. Why is this here? Hey, they were nice cars, beautiful cars. I like a nice car show, but I wasn't expecting to see so many at DesignerCon. But that aside, let's move on to talking about the Saturday morning's booth. This was an area of a concern for a lot of people in our community. They were not expecting or wanting to have a Funko presence at this convention. But Having gone to the convention and seen it, Funko was kind of had their own little corner. Uh, it was a very nice looking booth, very well managed, had lots of stuff going on. Uh, the lines and the their collector base was not an issue. I saw tons of Funko bags walking around the entire convention, making purchases at other booths. So I think overall, there was I don't think there was any negative effect on the convention at all. If anything, 
I think it had a very positive effect on the uh, on the convention because I saw so many buying and spending money in other areas of the convention. So, what did you guys think? What did you think about the presence of the convention? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I saw plenty of people walking around with Funko bags. I think it's, I think they were still wandering the floor looking for other stuff, and I, I can't recall anybody from anybody with a Funko bag really buying stuff from my booth, but. That doesn't mean I, no one bought anything from my booth, so it's fine. Yeah, oh, <laughs> George. George. <laughs> yeah, they did. They just bought your old stuff. Yeah. I was selling it, and you weren't there. <laughs> you just got to have Jess around. But no, did, I... sa- did sales spike when you weren't there, George, when Jess was manning it? Yeah, yes. because when I'm there, I give it away, and when she's there, she <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, no, um, I agree, Gary. I mean, I think there was this whole... You know, I know I know in the scene there was this whole concern with it of what it would mean. And I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It didn't really seem to affect anything. You know, it's a little different for us. I wasn't, um, you know, being pressed. We didn't have to wait in the VIP lines or anything like that. So I'm sure the VIP lines I heard, they were quite long, especially for the first day. Apparently they had them winding through some basement area. So I'm sure the length of that line was probably affected by fanatics wanting to get in line and buy stuff from them um but other than that yeah i mean it didn't seem to be an issue and i agree i saw tons of bags walking around so it seems like they were checking out the rest of the show and i do feel like i have to mention something so uh should i talk should we talk about the cereal gary oh you're you're gonna do a retraction i'm ready for it yeah so um george as you know i've i've voiced some distaste for this cereal right Uh uh-huh um well, what one of the basically the Funko booth actually had two lines. One was used for um, purchases. You could just go. There was the cereal bowl you could take a photo in and you could purchase stuff. I actually never waited in that line, so I never got a photo with their big cereal bowl. But then they had another line, and sometimes they'd use it for uh, like poster signings or or select things they had going on at the booth. But any other time, you could use it to just go and try the cereal for free. And so um, we're like, you know, let's just go over there and let's just try it. You know, the line's not too long. Let's just check it out. And I'm like thinking, oh, God, like, here we go. But I'm like, you know what? Fine. Let's try it again. Right. Why not? Right. Um, We get in line. You go up and the cereal they have to try is a blue one. But this time. So I got a bowl and they had um, uh, silk milk. So I was able to use non-cow's milk. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the real thing. I'll pour a bowl of cereal, add some milk. Let's see how this goes. And um, I was very surprised, but I actually liked it. <laughs> uh, it was good. The missing ingredient was milk. What yeah, did you get your cereal with before? No, because, well, I didn't have milk, but I do, I, you know, I do think the blue cereal is different because on the red one, there was a certain flavor and a really bad aftertaste. And I didn't sense that at all with the blue one. So it must be what a different like flavor or something. <laughs> what was cool about the taste testing too, George, like, so, you know, for the main VIP attendees, like first thousand a day or whatever, you get the, the yellow Vincent designer con exclusive little mini cereal box. But if you go to the actual taste testing at the Saturday mornings booth, then you also get another exclusive designer con box, which is the Freddy Funkos and the blue box. And it's a real cool vintage style of Freddy, like in a little drummer boy outfit with animals marching behind him with spoons and I, I like this box a lot. I picked this box up, and I really like the design in this box. And what's in the box? Cereal. Is there a prize in it? There was a prize. What was it? It's just a sticker. 
Which oh. box, what box were they giving away that had the pin in it? The decon. The little yellow box with Vinny on the cover playing the guitar. That was the one that we're giving away. Okay. So the Saturday morning booth didn't seem to be an issue for people. I heard a lot more positive things on it. Really didn't hear much mention of it all, but I didn't hear any negativity on it being there. The only thing that I heard negativity on was some of the, just being the, this, the curation of the booze. I already mentioned it. There's a lot of booze there that seem more Comic-Con type style, saying, selling more Main Street type booze. There were some booze selling Pops, FYE was, a couple others, and some were only selling Pop figures. Others were selling just older mainstream toys, Transformers yep. and old stuff too. So uh, that was a little shocking to see. But there was one booth that surprised me probably the most of all, and they had Pops at their booth, and I did not expect them to. Yes, the 3D Retro Bill. Uh, they had Pops at their booth, and after that video and everything, I did not see that one coming. Yeah, I didn't either. I remember we w- I walked past that, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> does it every after year. All of this. Huh? He does it every year. Does he? Yeah. I never noticed it before. Oh, yeah. Huh. Crazy. And here's the thing. Like, it, it, Pops being at the show really doesn't bother me. It's more just funny to me that, you know, when we talked to Ben on our episode, he just seemed so no pops, no pops, no pops. So you would just think that because of that, anything related to that would just be a no. So it's just funny to see, especially the like full on, you know, booth, Florida, top to bottom, pop, pop crazy. He tells everybody no pops at the show and then he brings it and he's the only guy with pops at the show. He's a, he's a savvy businessman, that thing. I also think he secretly really likes Pop. Oh, he's, it's not a secret. He loves Pop. Like, I know, but he, it's going to be like one of those things like, oh, I have to keep face. So I'm going to talk shit on it. But he, like, is buying, like, as he's on eBay buying them. Like, you know what come, I mean? Come out of the closet, Ben. Come he's on got, out. He's got many Pops in his collection. It's not It's not a bad thing. It's I'll, whatever. I'll say, but, I'll say and, positive, and, another positive for the show. Um, another positive was the app. Other than the lack of search function, the app was great for the most part. I mean, you can scroll and find the booth you're looking for, and it, and it brings it up on the map on a star so you can find it. Like, that was pretty cool. It needs it needs a search feature. But other than that, you could star a booth, and it saves it to a favorite. You can pull up your favorites, and it shows you on the map where they all are. Like, it was a really cool app. Yeah, I saw a lot of people yeah. using the app. I never chose to download because I was trying to save battery life on my phone, but uh, I just used that fold-out one that they gave you when you picked up your badges. The problem with that one was the words on the back were so tiny. You had a magnifying glass yes. to read it. Yeah, it was, yeah like, no. I take the ads off the back of the map and just make the words a little bigger. Something. <laughs> yeah, I preferred the app as well. I actually referred to it a few times. I'm with you, George. The lack of search was, was hard. Because it was just like an ABC list. So it was kind of hard sometimes. And I did struggle a few times to figure out what the name of the booth was for a person I was trying to find. Yeah, um, be good if they kind of just update it for next year and just add a, like, add yeah. a function, things like that. Like it was, it was overall, though, a decent app for like, I didn't even know it was coming. And right. It's kind of announced yeah, it, the day before, like, don't forget to download the app. And it was like, well, there's an app. So. I don't yeah. know, maybe they can it, keep working on it over the year and, and get it better by next year. It'd be really nice. Yeah, no, I agree. It was like a happy surprise. It came out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, there's an app. And, and oh, yay, they did it for both Apple and Android. Sweet, and it's free. I'm going to check it out. So, yeah, I think it was great. It was a nice resource. The only other thing I'd say is um, some of the links were just web pages. And for me, that was a struggle sometimes with my signal. 
So it'd be nice if everything was just embedded in the app, if possible. But the main thing I was going to use was the vendor list anyway. So I liked the app. I hope they expand it and make it better for next year. So, What else was a positive for the show? I mean, I mean, one thing was all the unexpected things that we saw at the event. Like you, you pay attention to Instagram feeds and toy blogs, and you think that you know everything that's going to be there. But then the day of, we're walking around, and all of a sudden we find out Mab Graves has a Dino Kitty, only twenty available, and they were a good size. And she's one of my favorite artists, so I geeked out over that. Shriniak, did you? Were you? Did you manage that, George? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, you did? Beast Brothers Wait. sculpted it. It looked great, George. I love that one. Yeah, Beast Brothers did all the sculpting part of it, and then I just did the project management in China. Okay, nice job. That, that was flown in fast for the show. That was one of the fastest projects I've ever seen get made in my life. Like, we sent that to China in the last two months. Holy crap. Yeah. That, that, that is fast. But they look fantastic for that fast. I didn't see any issues with it. And from what I saw, the 20 sold out. There's lines for it, and gone within the first few minutes but uh i will definitely be picking this up when it goes to the mass market i want one bad yeah that was a that actually came out really nice in the end like especially for how quick it got there so another thing that we saw walking around you know chris ryan x alganak has little turtle character that's been being released in sofubi through squibbles inc we walked by squibbles inc and sure enough there's like was it a six inch version of alganak Teresa? i have no idea but it was huge but you you stopped, you squeed, and you purchased. Oh, my gosh. Well, so leading up to the whole event, I remember talking to you all, and I was like, you know, I don't know. I feel different this year. I don't know why. Because everyone's like, are you ready? Do you have your list? Like, do you know what you're going to do? And I'm like, ah, I don't feel like I need to run in there and, like, buy anything. Like, I don't feel like I have to get anything. Like, if I were to go in and not buy anything at all, I feel like I'd be okay, which is so weird to hear me say and, like, so weird for me to feel that way. Because I'm usually like, I got to have it all. So like I'd been talking about, oh, like, you know, whatever. And we walked in the very first booth on the left is Squibbles Inc. And I saw that Algonac in his little uh, display. And I went, oh, my God, I didn't know that was going to be here. <laughs> and like, just like that, I went from like, oh, I don't need to buy anything to like, oh, my God, I got to buy. So, yeah, that was my uh, first purchase of the show. And I don't regret it one bit. It's fantastic. So it's always funny. And like you talk about social media and all that, you know, I try really hard to, to stay up to date, but with the way feeds are now and the fact that it's not chronological and you know, I'm busy traveling and getting ready to get to the show and all that kind of stuff. I felt really out of the loop. So I feel like I probably, there was like that Algonac apparently was promoted really close to the event. I just totally missed it. So Lots of surprises, I think, for me, just because of that. I'm I kind of pocket my phone once I come in town, which yeah. is hard because things like signings and different events happening are like, hey, come shout this word at our booth and get a free pin or whatever. So many people post that stuff at the show, but I'm just the kind of person who misses it because I'm kind of there, right? I'm in the event, I'm walking around, I'm talking to people. So it can be hard for me to to follow that stuff leading up to the show and during it. But then it's fun when you walk around and see all the surprises. So yeah, it's not no, I'm the same way when I'm at the convention. I'm very rarely checking my phone. I'm just checking it for missed text messages and phone calls, but I'm not on social media. I'm doing that sort of stuff like at breakfast or just before I go to bed. 
But um, to mention some of the other things that we saw there that were nice surprises, and it did seem like most of the stuff were upscaled versions of pre-existing toys. So we already mentioned Chris Reinick's Algonac was scaled up at Scribble's Inc., Mabgrave's Dino Kitty, although not a mass-production toy, it, it, it is being released, going to be released in a large-scale vinyl toy soon. Uh, then we stopped by Andrew Bell's booth, and it was great to see him there because we heard that him and Becky were kind of caught up in that winter storm that was going on back east. So um, I thought he might be not make it, but they made it in time. And with him, he brought a king-size kill cat, and this thing was sweet. If I had the money, I would have easily dropped it on it because I imagine it's going to cost a pretty penny to ship as well. But it was um, basically the same version of his kill cat, but giant size, jumbo size. It was probably... 20 to 24 inches tall, I feel like. It was probably three, four times the size of his original Kill Cats, and they were sweet. So um, it deba- debuted at an event, and anyone who picked it up, I'm jealous because you're going to save on that shipping. <laughs> it's going to cost a pretty penny to ship at a later date. So uh, that was cool. And another one, we stopped by the Dali Oblong booth, and we saw her Baldwin character is going to be upscaled in Sofubi this time. And that figure looked awesome, and it probably about six to eight inches in size as well. And it was not available for immediate purchase, but she was taking pre-orders. And anyone who pre-ordered it at her booth would get free shipping at the later date. So that was kind of cool to see. But one of the most surprising things to see at the entire event, and one of the best things to see at the entire event, was we stopped by the DC Collectibles booth. And we had no idea this was going to be there, but there were some sweet, sweet Batman figures designed by James Groman. And uh, so he did his version of Batman, Joker... Killer Croc, and Two-Face. And these things were huge. I want to say probably eight inches in size, but super detailed, super creative versions of Batman characters that really only James Groman can come up with. And we love you, James. And they were incredible. Good job. Yeah. yeah those were those were just amazing pieces. And uh, I, I think DC is doing everything right with that line. Totally agree. Yeah. Just working with the artists to do their style of, of character, like, you know, of a licensed character, and, like, it doesn't look like restricting them at all. Yep. And I talked to James about it. He actually hand-sculpted all of those themselves. Like, when we were talking to him and he was talking about how he had to farm out some stuff, his own personal stuff, to some sculptors, that's because he was working on this project for DC. So he actually sculpted those pieces. Amazing. That's cool. Can yeah. And the, the, pl- biggest, the biggest fail of the show? So what what do you think is your the big fail, George? The largest fail of the entire show, in my opinion, is the fact that I went to the Kid Robot booth on Sunday, Ugh. and the DesignerCon Dunny series was not there, was not for sale there, was not on display at the booth at all at DesignerCon on Sunday. And from what I heard, by Saturday afternoon was not at the booth for sale. What? At, at the start for that series... They were not available for sale. So Kid Robot apparently didn't bring enough, didn't care enough to bring enough, or maybe just that many sold by Saturday morning. I don't know. But, dude, you don't have enough DesignerCon Dunny at DesignerCon? <laughs> Absolute fail. They were telling people, oh, yeah. you can go buy it online. No, you shouldn't have to do that. You're there in person, ready to buy. You should be able to buy one for the signing. That's the point. It's the cheapest to have all the artists sign their thing. You don't buy it online after the show. No. It's, it's supposed to be available at DesignerCon. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. And how many did they actually sell? If they sold, 
If they told me they sold several hundred cases, okay, then good job. You probably weren't expecting that. But if you only brought 20 to 30 cases and those sold out by Saturday morning, then that's a fail. I feel like Kid Robot shows up to these stateside conventions with only marketing promotion on their mind and just treating it like a licensing expo with like sales is barely on their mind. I feel like they just show up with bare minimum stock. If it sells out the show, they can go, oh, we sold out of everything. We're awesome. But in reality, I'm thinking that they're probably just too cheap to potentially send things back. Well, guess what? It's the designer con dunny. It better be at designer con. I don't care if you have to bring some back. Man up. It's the designer con dunny for fuck's sake. Like that's the whole point of the series is to sell out at designer con. And then they're walking around they telling did. people just to go buy it online? That's retarded. Yeah, and that's absolute BS. No. And hopefully the people that were told to go get them online were given promo codes for free shipping or something. And they were there. Uh, but, George, did you ever get to see them now that they were sold out? Did you ever Have you ever seen any in hand? I have not, I have not held a single designer con done yet. I went to try and look at them at the booth, and there were none on display. They did not have them at the booth. The designer con Dunny wow. at designer con was not available to be seen by me on Sunday. Wow. wow. I, mean, I thought they would at least have a full set displayed in a display case somewhere for you to at least see. They should have had one of every one of them made on display at designer con and then a, a little number next to each one where all the artist booths were. How about promoting the artists in the artist series of designer con at designer con? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a huge fail. That's so wow. stupid. The, sec- uh, ne- the next thing that happened there, we went to the signing for Scott's Scott's daughters had their My Little Pizza came out. It was the, the grand release and their first signing ever on Sunday at one o'clock. So we were like, all right, we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to buy it online ahead of time because that would be dumb. We want to buy it at the signing. We want them to sign the, pa- you know, to sign the packaging. Mm-hmm. We go to the Kid Robot booth, one o'clock. The girls are sitting there at an empty table. With nothing to sell, nothing to oh, sign, and nothing to buy. They didn't have any because they had already sold out of them. Because they didn't bring enough for the signing. And they didn't think to hold any back for the signing for the girl's first figure, first ever signing. These little girls are little tiny girls. You can't do that to them. They're sitting at an yeah. empty table. Yeah, That's heartbreaking. They were uh, like scrapping things like... Uh, like, oh, will you sign the bag? And we had to buy the ones that were on display with like, like It was their like, personal copies their that personal they had. Copies, we, bought like, off we bought off them so that they could sign it. Aww. It was that ridiculous. Sucks. Here's the third one. Guess what? Did you guys see any news that Dr. A's new uh, new Mectorian miniseries came out? Yeah, yeah I saw that. So the new, just released at DesignerCon. You know who else has a booth at DesignerCon? Dr. A. You know what they didn't have a single open one at their booth on display of? Dr. A's Mictorians. You know what they didn't do? A signing with Dr. A for the Mictorians at the Kid Robot booth? Nothing. And he's for, from the UK. Okay. Like, he, he's on hand to do it. Makes they sense to do case, it with him. They had a case. Yeah, he flew himself in. Use him. He's right there. They didn't even have him on display. They weren't even open to look at. You're bumming me out, George. Dude, that's like it. <laughs> biggest fails. Like kid, kid robot sucks. Like, like I get it. They ha- they're busy. They got a lot of things to do. But all their stuff that was on display was old garbage that they've already been selling for years. They did a panel about the arcane divination too. It doesn't come out for months. Why not do a panel right. of the decon dunny guys that are all there selling their dunny? Why not bring some of those? 
Because Arcane Divinations is one of their more popular series, probably. Hey, you know what helps make okay. a popular series? Support the artists that are in it. I, I, I totally feel your rage because I, you would think Kid Robot of all companies would understand DesignerCon and what it is and how to use it. Any other year, that, a series of that art of that caliber coming out at DesignerCon, like that would have been the biggest thing at the show. Any other year. Right. And now they didn't even bring any. Yeah, that's terrible. That sounds like a big old cluster. As a dad, it pisses me off that they didn't have anything for the girls being there. Like, had I known, I would have brought my sketchbook over just so they had something to do. Like, that's such BS. Your kids are, like... The lady even told me, she was like, we brought very, very little amount of that. See, that's just BS. Those toys are not that big. They could have brought more than enough to have or hold back stock for the signing. It's just, it kills me as a dad to hear that someone's daughters or kids sat there with nothing to do. This is something they've been working on for a couple of years. A very cool, fun project they worked on with their dad. It's the debut event. They're looking forward to showing up. And for them to have nothing to do, that kills me. That is just heart-wrenching. It sucks. Yeah. I, I was I was really like what like what's happening here like why are they not it was really confusing I mean I asked Frank about the Dunnies and he seemed like he they were like, he was happy with the sales he was glad they you know they sold what they sold I think that he was you know more than more than happy with it I I was confused but he seemed like it was the what they wanted to do so just, I don't know I don't know. It just sounds bad, all around bad. I'm so, I'm so annoyed right now. I'm, I'm serious, my blood is like boiling. <laughs> there was one guy I heard talking about the the Vincent, how he was he was upset too that there was no Dunny for sale on Sunday because he was hoping to buy some. And then he had, I guess he had found out about the one because there was a an alternate colorway of the Vincent that came out apparently. That was a yep. China release at a China convention. Oh. And. He was oh. like, why on earth would you bring a Vincent, the mascot of the designer con, to China where no one knows what Vincent is? No one cares what this thing is. And he's like, why is it there? He's like, why? I don't understand. Like, now, I, like, I can't get this alternate colorway that was released in China, but all these people who have no idea what Vincent is can? Like, what is this? So he was he, pretty upset about it. You mentioned it, and I'm like, yeah, I know what that is, thinking it's a chase option in the series. I had no idea that was an alt colorway for China. That makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how stuff... I don't know why the decisions are made the way they are sometimes. Yeah. They just... They should know better. No, they should. They're one of the biggest companies in designer toys. At least, you know, here in the state side, they are and definitely one of the longest running ones. So, yeah, they should know better. But, but hey, as long as we're mentioning disappointments or failures of the show, I have some. These are actually things I mentioned on previous episodes that I was very excited about. One of them was how to work. I thought they were going to have a, a booth at the exhibit, and it turns out they didn't. I know at one point they were on the exhibitor list, but... Never heard anything about them canceling. I know at one point they were on the exhibitor list and then they just weren't. So that was disappointing. Another one was, I mentioned I was very excited about Nofrin coming over from Australia. It's an artistic duo f- uh, that do the Pecan Pals. I absolutely love. I was looking forward to meeting them. But I swung by their booth three or four times and they were never there. They, I could see it was a nice booth setup. It was a triple wide booth setup. But every time I swung by, they weren't there and there was nothing to buy. It was just an empty 
eight-foot table in the middle of this kind of really large three-booth setup. So disappointing I didn't get to meet them, but Teresa did get a picture of me sitting behind their table with a sad face. So um, <laughs> bummer. And I guess the last one would be Tokidoki. They had just kind of a rinky-dink small presence at the show, just a, like a standard 10 by 10 booth. And, you know, they have flagship stores and malls and, you know, hotels and stuff. They usually show up to conventions with a very large presence. So for them not to have one at Designer Con was sort of disappointing. But uh, this whole rant is disappointing. So how about we turn this around? What what was good, Teresa? I, yeah, let's let's turn around because, you know, I think we could I – got, I got one I can mention, Gary, because we're talking about, you know, things not to do right. But if we flip it on his head and we talk about maybe a way to do presentation and set up right – I do think a good example is, um, you know, looking around, there was a lot of custom shows. And one that stood out for me was the Shard 2 show at the kind of the Scott Tolleson slash a little bit broke piggy booth. But um, I thought they did a really good job of the setup of that show of making it. They kind of did those pillars where you could walk 360 around the cube. So you could really look at all of the um, pieces from different angles and they were almost up to eyeball height, so you could pretty much stand and look. But then the thing that I thought was really special was they kind of customized the pillar. So the top of these, so think of um, just like um, opaque pillars and on top of them a clear cube. But on top of those clear cubes, they did this really cool shard cutout thing. So each of the cubes looked like broken glass shards. And I don't know, like from away as you're walking in, the backdrop and the pillars and all of that, like it, it brought me in. Like I wanted to go look at the show and walk around and see what it was. And even some of their display cases that had kind of like the icy shards and everything. Just overall, I thought they did a really good job with the presentation of that show. Absolutely agree. It looked great. It was a double wide space with plenty of room to walk around and see everything. All the customizers brought their A games. I saw lots of red dots. Yeah, I mean, great job. I broke Piggy and Scott Tolleson. It was a great great presentation when we were walking around i saw scott at the brook piggy booth and by the time we got through looking at the show he was gone so i actually never saw scott during the event i should have circled back and saw him but uh no so that was a great event the jurassic park show no the shard show was the kind of the show stealer like the jurassic park art exhibition didn't look half as good as the the shard exhibit the giant t-rex was cool that was a nice photo op thing but as far as the art exhibition it was missing something it fell flat a little bit yeah did you guys even look at that exhibition i went over to look at it and it was because i wanted to see i guess chris and amanda had a piece in it so i went over to find it and look at it but i couldn't find theirs and it turns out that it was it was all for sale so you could buy it and leave with it so i never even got to see chris and amanda's piece I, I was looking for their pieces specifically to George and I was able to find them and look at them. But the weird thing was they were put on a weird little display right by the giant T-Rex kind of hidden in the bushes. Like <laughs> it was so weird. Like there was this fake foliage by that giant dinosaur. And there was this kind of little table with them sitting right next to it. I almost missed them. And then everything else was kind of these weird. They were kind of on these pillars, but they were so spaced out that like you kind of just see the dyno and the cars and kind of forget to like walk up and look at the pieces on these pillars. At least for me, it was like that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So other, you know, uh, custom shows, there was the sad salesman wizard show at the sad salesman booth. There was the Luna show at the, uh, 
Urban Vinyl Daily Toys booth. And the one thing I want to point out about these custom shows and events, and that's why I think the Charge Show did it so great, is when customizers are doing these things, you want yourself your stuff to be displayed in the best way possible. You didn't want it just sitting on the you know, the edge of someone's table, not being seen. Do you want it to look professionally displayed? And the other thing that I know is like these conventions where people are inviting artists to do these events, they're almost seeing themselves as a gallery. They're representing the artists and they're taking nice cuts, 50% cuts or 60-40s or what have you. And I feel like when you're getting that percentage with a gallery, that's because they have huge rental space. They have air conditioning. They're doing lots of marketing up front. You're getting your stuff is on display all month long before your piece is then packed up and shipped to the owner. And like and so when you go to these custom shows, George you just mentioned it at the Jurassic Park booth, whoever bought those pieces from Chris and Amanda, they got to take them instantly and no one else at the convention got to see them. And I'm sure that gallery probably still had a percentage of a 60-40 or a 50-50 split. For me that's that doesn't make sense. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? I don't know why people would do a custom show at a convention. That doesn't make sense to me. I guess if you set it up, like you were saying, with the pillars and all that stuff, like maybe that works. But like, if you just have like a 10 by 10 booth and you're going to put a custom show on, like that seems weird. I think it would be really be tough to do it at a convention because there's just so much competing stuff and you're trying to sell spendy items. But, you know, if you have the space to do it, go for it. It's usually weird to see a custom show being at a standard 10 by 10 booth and then they're also selling their original art and stuff as well. It's just it's – sometimes it's cramped. But I have seen nice shows that do it well. Kyle Kawan's Vagabond show at last year's DesignerCon was held in the lobby, plenty of space to walk around and see things. And that cut was good. I think you just paid for the resin figure and the shipping and then the artist got the rest of the money so um and also also thousand toys does a really nice event so you know there, there's people that have the space and do custom pre- presentations really nicely well and also should yeah. you mentioned a lot of names like i didn't even know those were all going on like shouldn't there be something like in the designer con book where you like maybe they should have like a section for art shows like that like maybe if that is an amazing idea all custom shows in one area against the back wall where there's nothing the going on zone. In the dead zone. No, that's a great idea. I love that idea. Well, and and, and promoting it better. I agree with that. I think in general, so much stuff is last minute. If they can kind of finalize, like the panels, and we can get panels later, but like panels and signings and shows and everything, if you don't follow the right people or know the right accounts, you may not even know they're going on. So I don't know how they can get better about organizing that, but I think it would be helpful. but I do think the presentation of this is important. And I think the other thing the Shard Show did well is the labeling. Like you could clearly see the artist's name and the prices and all of that. Yeah, just presentation in general I think is important so that it's not, I don't know, it needs to be treated as much like a gallery as you can. Especially for those percentages they're taking. I mean, artists are not making very much money on these customs. So at least represent them in the absolute best way you can. Like if someone buys it, say, hey, could you come pick this up the last two hours of the show on Sunday and we'll have it ready for you. At least let the other attendees be able to experience the beautiful artwork that the artists have done. Yeah, I agree. And I know it might be hard because people may have bought it. Ship it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Lucas, do you like toys? Yeah. So do I. And my office has tons of toys in it, doesn't it? And do you know where I get those toys? Um, 
from your friends and um, stores and you make them? True, but I also get some from our sponsors. And do you know who our sponsors are? Strange Cat Toys. And Freddy Retchall. That's right. And if you go to Strange Cat Toys, be sure to load up that cart and use our promo code MARSHAM at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. And so, Lucas, what is Daddy always looking at when he looks at his phone? Toys. And where do I see all these great toys? Social media. <laughs> That's right. For all the latest and greatest designer toy news, be sure to like and follow... SpankySpoke.com Close. Try it one more time. SpankySpoke.com Perfect. And who else? And the Toy Chronicle.com Dot com. And be sure to download the Toy Chronicles app at any one of your favorite app stores. Thanks, Lucas. Actually, come here. Rowan, I want to get you in here. Rowan's my four-year-old. So, Rowan, come here. How about... Repeat after me. Please support. Please support our sponsors. Our sponsors. So that my dad. So that so my dad can buy. Can buy. Buy us more toys. Us more toys. <laughs> Good job. Um, can we can we go swing back to the panel real quick? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. What was going on with the panel? I didn't see any news about the panel, so I really. Had no idea what was going on. I know they mentioned them over the intercoms, but that to me was like someone talking through a drive-through fast food speaker. I just could not make out what they were saying. So you want to know? You want to know where you could really hear the uh, intercom really well? Actually, the overhead speaker really well. While you were trying, while you were trying to do a panel, that's where you could really understand everything they would say over the loudspeaker, which was completely <laughs> destroying the panel. Huh. Wow. Terrible. Well, so so what panels did they end up doing? Because I think before the event, we thought that maybe it was something with Netflix series. And then, like, I never really heard much else about it. So I didn't even know what was going on and which ones were what being even being held. And you were in one, George. So what do you I know mean, what I was up? Know, I know three. I know the one that was before me, ours, and the one that was after us. And I don't know who was running the panels. I don't know what was going on with the panels. It was a nightmare over there. Like no one knew how to control the audio. We had to, I had to call our friend Brandon in from the Lego booth to come <laughs> over and see if he can make the audio work. And the panel after us, there were no name plates made. So the people on the table, like, I don't know who made our name plates for our thing, but we had them, but I, there was none for the people after us at their panel. There was no water provided for the people on the panel. So they, you know, they were just sitting there like someone had asked me, like, is there anybody that can get water for this? Like, because one of the people had a sore throat from already, you know, yelling at their booth the whole time. And it was just, I don't know who was in charge. I don't know. There was no one like running the thing. So I, I have no idea what was going on. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how people, I guess people just went over when they thought that their time was the right time. And started talking i mean we were supposed to be there at noon so our our group of people went over there at noon and when the panel before us ended we all just picked up mics and sat down and did it but there was no one like directing or no one telling anyone where to go or it was it was very odd the panels never seem to work maybe they just aren't needed let's just stop doing them 
I don't know why they do them. I honestly, I don't. And uh, the only reason we even had a panel, the one that I was on, was Titmouse like a week ago canceled. Like they just said, no, we're not going to do it after agreeing to do it. So, and so we had time to fill. So we kind of came up with a, you know, we did an enamel market, uh, pin enamel pin panel. And it went well, like our, you know, the, there was, we had people sitting there watching, you know, there were just people in the audience, they were asking questions at the right time. And in the audience was, was, you know, they were receptive to it. Um, I just don't understand who was running the panels. I don't know yeah. what, there was no one. It was just, they just kind of happened, I think. It was very odd. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you, Gary. I just don't even know. They always seem so disorganized. And the one year, maybe it was the first five points or the first decon I went to. I can't remember which one, but I remember I tried to go to the panels and they just weren't for me. Not very many people attended. It was kind of hard to know where they were or what they were gonna, when they were going to be. I don't know. I feel like the people that are going don't even know what the, the is. They just see some chairs over there and looking to take a rest. And that's who you're talking to. People who are really just kind of sitting and resting. Yeah. I'm not talking to you. You can definitely tell that from up, <laughs> you know, from up on the stage. The, the people in the back are resting there. <laughs> the, the, the people in the first six or seven rows, they're the ones that are listening. Yeah. Yeah, I won't lie. I used, uh, I remember one of the panels, I was like, oh, I'll eat my lunch in there. <laughs> well, the funny thing is they put the they put the VR booths right next to the panels and like the DJs there and stuff. So it was like, yeah. you're trying to do a panel and all of a sudden this booth is blaring music. And you're like, what? And they're like, the speakers are like facing the panel and you're like, what's happening? <laughs> why, why are we fighting this? Like, what is what placement is this? <laughs> Yeah. So here's what I'm hearing, guys. Get rid of panels. That's a huge area in the back corner. We can fit more booths back there, and we can get this thing down to one hall, I think. I think we could do it. But let's talk about – let's switch switch from this, and let's talk about VIP night, the four hours on Friday. I want to know what you guys thought about it, how you how you saw it. Did you enjoy it? Do you think it's necessary? Because VIP badge holders also got one-hour early entrance both Saturday and Sunday. So do we need a VIP night and early entrance on both weekend days? So I'm curious, what did you guys think about the VIP experience overall? I feel like, I feel like they need to choose. The fact that they did a VIP night and opened early on both days, an hour early for a VIP, seemed like overkill. Like, and I feel especially bad for the vendors because those were some long days and some early mornings. And, um, so I don't know, like the preview night was weird for me. I remember walking in, like, I didn't know what to expect. Cause like in my brain, I'm picturing frenzy just as a collector. I'm like, it's going to be crazy. People are going to be running around. It's going to look crazy in here, but it was very chill. Like for me at least. And, and, and granted again, like I said, I wasn't, um, I was a little more chill myself, I guess, as far as my purchasing went. So I wasn't super stressed, but it was much more chill and calm and kind of quiet. And it just kind of surprised me. But um, so yeah, I, it didn't, I didn't mind it, but I'm kind of with you. I feel like they do the preview night. Do they really need the early hours or do they even need the preview night? Just give them an early hour on the Saturday and call it a day. Yeah. I don't know. So. It, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about this since I've gotten back. And initially, I didn't know that I thought the VIP night was worth it. But after thinking about it, I'm like realizing it was a great night for 
the VIPs and the attendees and vendors even to go in and get a sense of the lay of the land before the craziness happens on Saturday and, and Sunday. And it's also nice for the VIP holders to be able to line up at a reasonable point of the day. They can line up at maybe like noon or 1 p.m. versus when it would open just on a Saturday, they would wake up at like 2 in the morning or 6 in the morning or wherever to get there super early. So that that was nice to be able to go there and just kind of figure things out. And I think that really helped de-stress a lot of people going into the, the chaos of the weekend. Um, but also... The bad thing is I think really the VIP night only benefited maybe 50 of the 700 vendors. The VIP holders, uh, badge holders, know exactly what they're looking for. They're knowing exactly what booths they're going to run to. And it's not, you know, it's not every booth. Most of the booths look pretty slow and probably didn't do great sales on VIP night. So in that regard, I kind of feel bad for some of the vendors because they're having to spend an extra night hotel stay that they probably wouldn't want to. But for the popular vendors, it was excellent for them. I know a lot of them that did so well on VIP night, they had that, that tough decision of having to make the, the call of do they withhold stock uh, to try to reserve some stuff to have for sale on Saturday and Sunday, or do they just potentially sell out of everything on VIP night? So, yeah, it was a tough call. Yeah, I think that was the trickiest part is, you know, trying to figure out what's fair because – VIP obviously paid more and are coming in first. And so technically they have the right, right to get first, first dibs at everything. But I mean, I think as, as artists and knowing you have other fans and you're trying to be fair and thinking about the general admission too. And so that VIP night did make things really tricky. And I know people were trying to decide, should they set a cap? Should they truly make it just a preview and not sell anything at all? And, um, yeah, it seemed like it was really bugging. Like it was really a concern and it's a stressful point for them. Right. Like it's not like they wanted to limit sales or not limit sales. They wanted to make it fair. So it was very, very stressful them trying to figure out the right thing to do. Um, and if they got rid of VIP night, that would pretty much just take away that issue altogether. Um, what do you think, George? Um, I think as a vendor, I kind of agree. Like the the sales on VIP night are really just the sales you would normally get Saturday morning. Um, right. But I didn't do. I did. I did fine VIP night. So like, I was actually not expecting to do anything. I was expecting because I'm not a booth that has hype things. I'm you know there's no there's no need to run to my booth. I'm not going to sell out because I don't. I, I purposely don't bring everything because I know that there are people that can't get to the show. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to be the guy that sells out on VIP night, but I still, you know, I still did decent. I I do think the hour the next morning and ba- really the hour on Sunday morning, it's <laughs> it's like it becomes like okay, we don't we don't need this, right. we don't need this yeah. much VIP. Get time. rid of it. I agree. I, I don't know, like I, it just seemed like it was a little bit overkill of hours. Um, but I do. It was there were booths like right next to us is a uh, real head. They are, you know, they come in from Japan and they have a pretty big following that always their, their booth is one of those ones. That's the one that people run to. And they were having the problem of people would before the VIP hour even started, it was a line of vendors Yeah, and people with vendor. Oh, yeah. So what they did was you can't line up before the VIP time. And at the VIP time, you can go ahead and line up but they don't actually start selling anything until 
it's open to the public. So you you can wait for an hour in line if you really want their thing. Or you can just come back and line up at the right time. Okay, I get that. Interesting. It kind of is the fairest way to probably do it, knowing that there's people that have been waiting in line for six to eight hours outside for your stuff. You know, don't give, sell everything to the vendors at first. That's the tricky thing. Like some people know that, you know, vendors are there and want stuff too. And it's, imagine like having stuff, people will line up at your booth and you're already stressing enough whether you should even sell. And then you have that extra layer of like, Hey, look, like I want to sell to the collectors. Do I sell to the vendors? Do I not sell to the vendors? It just gets really tricky. Yeah. I don't know. Like vendors are collectors too. So you can't just say, no, I can't sell the vendors. Right. That's what's hard. Yeah. Right. So I, we all agree that the extra hour for VIP early opening on Sunday is not necessary because Saturday night there's the after party. There's a lot of people staying out late, going off and doing other things. So it'd be nice for the vendors to have maybe that extra hour needed to sleep in. But uh, so George, you and Jess went to the after party and we did not. So how was it? What'd you think? All right. So we go to the after party. The best part of the after party before we even get in is we walk up and, and it's Ben manning the table for like handing out the tickets to get in. Which is awesome. The head honcho doing the sales. That's pretty doing cool. The sales. And he's, sit, <laughs> he's sitting behind the table with a hookah, like a little personal hookah there. And he's just smoking hookah at the table behind the thing. It was so great. <laughs> All right. So nice. Dave, what do you want to say? Okay, so what? So we all talked about how big this convention is. So by the end of the night, my little puppies were hurting, and George and Doctor A decided we're gonna walk two miles to go get vegan pizza and bath before this party even starts. So by the time we get back, I'm like, I don't want to go to this party. This sucks. So then uh, we go in, and it's just kind of a weird vibe. Right? Like, it wasn't, there was no, like, real DJ playing. Um, I got a drink, and then once the band started, they kicked everybody that was in the hallway into the vent, like, into the arena area. Like, you couldn't hang out in the hallways and talk to your friends. Like, you had, they made you go into the concert area. So, like, the the hallway was where the beer was sold. Like, the beer and the merch table were in the hallway, but you weren't allowed to be there. They would like kick you out of the hallway as yeah. soon as you had your beer, get back in the venue. And you weren't allowed to stay there. I don't know. It was maybe concert venue rules or something, but the security were dicks and they were just like, yeah. get everybody, get out of the hallway, get out of the hallway, yeah. back in the venue. Which was probably wow. loud and dark and hard to talk. Yeah, you can't talk at all in there because you it's a rock concert. It's, I mean, it's yeah. literally a rock concert. So it was like, we were trying to hang out in the hallway and chat and have a good time, and they kick you back out of there into the venue. Yeah. Was it attended well? It was more than I thought it was going to be, it's, but it wasn't okay. what it should be for a rock concert. Yeah. Like, if you were there to see that band, you had a great time because you were super, like... But that's the thing. Um, the band, like, you're like, oh, we're going to go see this, like, Foo Fighter, like, you know, crew band, and... It, they played songs I've never heard of in my entire life. They're like, this one's ACDC. I was like, well, from when? Like, when they were just beginning? <laughs> like, like, um, like, B, like B-side tracks that no one's ever heard of, yeah. except for hardcore fans? And, like, I think the only song anyone they played that anyone uh, knew was uh, the... What Double was, Down to Georgia. Yeah, Double Went Down to Georgia. 
to be fair, we left after four songs because we were just like, we don't know these songs and we have to get out of here. This is awful. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it just bummer. It was just a bummer. And then like we missed the secret walls, but I heard that the DJ didn't even show up for that. The walls weren't even lit up, so you didn't even know that they were there. Versus like last year's party was really fun. There was a lot of walls. There was a lot of art going on. And this year it was just two walls and you barely saw them. Like they weren't lit up at all. Mm. It was just kind of a weird, like I saw a lot of people like leaving and, but there was a good amount of people by the stage. Yeah. Like up in the front by the stage, it was, it was a packed little crowd. Okay. But I mean, it was like. But after a song ended, nobody cheered. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They they weren't playing. If you're going to do cover band, like, yeah, play the play the hits man but maybe maybe they did later on like as it got later but like the stuff we saw was like and it was all they were like they were playing like she said acdc they played zz top they played black sabbath like all these bands that you should know songs from and it was like deep cuts okay like kiss kiss songs you've never even heard like deep cuts deep cuts (laughs) like they had to explain the song that they played from kiss that it wasn't really a Kiss song. It was like it was, an Ace Freely song on a on a Kiss related release. Like. Yeah, they had to explain it. <laughs> if you had to explain where the song came from, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Well, Jess, while you're here, I want to thank you for suggesting going to Orange and getting out of that touristy Anaheim area because that's what we did. The first night we went to Downtown Disney, ate at Julio Ju- jo- oh, Jews, J- Joe's, and got some. <laughs> and then on uh, the at the, on Friday night, the VIP night, we went to Blaze Pizza just around the corner. A lot of people from our community happened to be there that night too, so that was fun. And then – the previous two nights, we checked out Orange, and that was awesome. I love that little town. Very cool. Great suggestion. He said you wanted mom and pop. I gave you mom and pop. You did. Yeah. Yeah, driving through. Actually, Horrible Adorables invited us out to join them, uh, them and a couple friends out for dinner out there. And just driving through that little area kind of reminded me something out of, like, uh, Back to the Future. Like the Hill Valley scene. I almost expected to see a, a clock tower across the street from that little round that you go through. It was a very cool area. We went to a really nice re- – well, not a nice restaurant, but a great tasting restaurant. Very small, very quaint. So I don't want to – uh, you know, announce it on the podcast because it's. I want it to be our own little secret, you know, spot for next year. Hey, you can, you can promote it. That's my old roommate's place. I know, but George, there's like four tables in this place, and I'm yeah, afraid it's, that it's the chain yeah, out here. It's, it's popular. Oh, fine. It's the pie hole, and they make pot pies and pies and dessert. That was yeah. awesome. We hung out there, and then. From there, we walked down the street and kind of did a little bar hopping in different bars. and It's really, really cool. So we went there two nights in a row. And that's where I'm going to be going every time I I go there again. Forget that Anaheim touristy area. Hop in, get an an Uber, and go to that little orange area. Lots of restaurants, lots of cool bars, and just a really cool area to walk around at night. The only downside is things tend to close pretty early. Yeah. So most of the restaurants close at like nine and then we would go find another bar that, you know, that was stayed open later, but that's a really cool area. Thanks for suggesting that. You're welcome. I'm sure Kyle Kerwin is out there cringing. <laughs> yeah. I actually, you told me that that's where he grew up. So I talked to him about that, but I, I did know what Gary said. Orange was great. It's a great little um, place. If you have the ability to Uber or drive over there and you need a break from the Cheney touristy haven that is Anaheim. 
it's totally worth it. While I'm on here, can we talk about how I waved at Teresa twice and she ignored me both oh, times? Yes. Whoa, cold shoulder, Teresa. What's going on there? Oh, she had like some little groupies around, and I was like, "Oh, Teresa." Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing, Jess. What Gary's realized by now, and what what you'll soon realize, is that when I go to these events, now that I've gotten to. Uh, no more people and it's like my home and my comfort I can very easily get distracted and <laughs> I'll be like trying to go somewhere and then I bump into someone and suddenly we've been talking for 15 minutes and like I'm in the zone talking to them I forget what I was even trying to do so I was totally like I had no idea you were trying to wave to me I was just probably chatting it up I think you look like you had like five little girl like girls around you and I was just like this is like, it looked like they were like, you know, little groupies. I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I don't know who any of them were, but I was like, maybe, damn. Yeah, maybe it was the Critter Crew or uh, the the Chris Reiniak, uh fanatics like me. We had a little hangout sesh, so it could have been that. I have to say, Jess, I've done three conventions now, Teresa. I'm done walking around with her. It's impossible. <laughs> like, she's like, just so distracted, so ADD, and then she's constantly talking at Boo. Like she has no voice, but she can't help but like talk to everybody. And uh, you mean I don't know. It's it's really hard to walk around with you, Teresa. And then she'd I be like, know. "Oh, uh, Gary, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stay here and talk for a couple more minutes. Meet me at this booth. I'll be there and I'll wait there for like 20, 30 minutes. No show. So I'm, I'm done. Sorry. I'm done hanging out. I am done hanging out with you, Teresa. I will oh, catch Gary. up with you after the event. Meh. Go find your own critter crew, Gary. <laughs> I, I I should. I, you know what? I just I just operate better alone. I think. Yeah, we split up. Someday we did our own. Thing. Yeah, we did. We did. We split up. On... You know, By the way, I, I would like to say I, that my my roommate, sad salesman, best roommate ever. We were. He's my Del Griffith. Actually, I was probably more Del Griffith for him. Anyone who hasn't seen Plane Trains and Automobiles, I was his Del Griffith. Have you guys ever seen Plane Trains and Automobiles? That's the weirdest reference. (laughs) What? It's the weirdest reference. No, that's one of the best Thanksgiving movies of all time. Everyone's seen it, George. Everyone knows John Candy's character. No idea. Of course, Teresa. Forget about. I know you don't watch anything. You don't know any movie (laughs) we've ever told you about. Plane Trains and Automobiles. Steve Martin. John Candy. One of the best movies of all time. Great travel movie. Great travel movie. They were roommates. And there's a scene in that movie where uh, Steve Martin's kind of nice and lets John Candy take a shower first. <laughs> and so John Candy gets out of the bathroom and, and Steve Martin goes in and every towel is soaking wet. And it's just you just see Steve Martin's face pick up even like the smallest little hand towel. And his face is in horror of how drenched everything is. So I have a, a quick story to tell you guys. So... Anytime I go to a hotel room, you got that new shower scenario. You don't know how to turn it on. You don't know what turn. And this, these showers and these ones had a, the main overhead nozzle and then like a wand. And there's two different handles. You're trying to figure out what turns on what, how to get hot, how to get cold. So I finally figured it out. And every single day I took a shower in this place, there was a river of water outside of the shower. And somehow when Aaron took a shower perfectly fine i don't know what magic he was performing because i made sh- <laughs> i made sure the door was shut the shower 
heard that. No, I, I don't know. The door, yeah, the door was shut. The door. the door was sealed. I'm in there naked inspecting. I don't know where the water's getting through. But there's a puddle of water on the floor. So this is the funny thing. Saturday morning, uh, maybe it was Friday morning, uh, I take the showers in the morning. Eric took them at night. So I took a shower in the morning, and it was covered in water. So I started taking the big body towels, putting them on the floor. But they are absolutely drenched. And... Uh, Sad salesman, Eric, he's getting ready. He needs to get to the convention center. We need to go downstairs and get to breakfast. So he puts on a brand new pair of socks, and I'm sitting on the bed, and all I hear, he goes in the bathroom, and I hear, squish, squish. (laughs) And his socks, his brand new socks are soaked. And he comes out of the bathroom, and if you know Eric, you know this facial expression. He kind of does this, like, head tilt with a smirk. He's like, Gary, and he, he takes off his socks, and he basically had to wring them out and go put on a new pair. I was dying. Best That is the best moment of the whole trip for me. Oh, man. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was, that you said it. That's what I was thinking. Oh, no. Well, that's why I'm the dumb Griffin. Yourself. I tried. Oh, man. I tried. Well, we're giving a roomie shout-out, so... I actually ended up rooming with a, a stranger, no longer a stranger anymore, but we had talked about how trying to save on costs and get roommates and all that. And someone had actually reached out to me uh, about rooming a decon. And I was like, all right, let's give this a try. So I want to give a shout out to my roomie, Elizabeth. She's the naughty rabbit on Instagram, but we had a great time. So I'm, I'm so happy she reached out and she ended up kind of joining us to hang out and, uh, we had some adventures together. It worked out. So yeah, I think that's probably the only listener that I met at the show was uh, was her. She came by the mm-hmm. booth. She was quite nice. I think she was from New York, right? Uh, yes, Syracuse. I, I met a lot of your guys' listeners. Like yes, I heard. I heard. Like, I heard. Like, Jess, they uh, recognized your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really weird for me. Because um, usually this is like George's thing, and I'm George's wife, and you know nobody cares about me. And then uh, he would yeah. like disappear, and like I'd be selling something, and people would be like, "Uh, I do even know your voice from somewhere. I don't know. Like, are you in Marsham?" And I'm like, "This is weird. Like, George is on Marsham, and I just yell shit from the back." Yeah. You're our secret hidden host. No, it's. I felt like a lot of people stopped me. I don't know if uh, you felt the same way, but I just want to say thank you to all the listeners to stop me to say hi and who were super nice about the podcast and giving us kudos and all the great stuff. It made me feel really, really good. So uh, thank you for all of the podcast love. I just, oh, I, just I, kidding. I, I did meet a bunch of listeners. I was only kidding about not meeting. <laughs> I do remember you all. <laughs> you know, one of the weird things I find kind of walking around the convention center is by doing this podcast, people hear us every week and they kind of get to know us in some sort of regard. So it feels like a lot of people feel like they know us more than we know them and they'll approach us at the conventions and know a lot about us and know our stories and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of weird. It's interesting, but it's also weird at the same time that they know us actually pretty well. And I also feel bad where people might see us coming down the rows and like oh here comes gary or Teresa or george and they're gonna stop and look at our stuff but we're in just a kind of like a a con stupor we just blow by them and i don't want to make anyone feel bad i'm I'm kind of aware of that stuff i I can see that like i always feel bad if i because like if someone thinks i'm gonna talk to them or if i miss them at the show like i barely saw anybody like i like i barely went to any booze like i barely got to see stuff so, and I'm always yeah. off because I 
I kind of, I mean, even when we posted that picture of us and there was the one comment from Rika who was like, oh, look, there's the guy who doesn't like any of my shit. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like yeah. it's not, like I got two pieces of Rika's hanging in here right now. It's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that was, no, that was a good I, it kills me that I can't buy from everyone. You know, you, the more people, you know, in the scene, it's almost like a, a slight bit of guilt. Right. Cause like I'll walk up to these booths of art I love, but it's like, ah, like I've bought from you before. I kind of want to buy from someone else. It hurts. It sucks, but it's like, you know, I'm trying to be good here. I've got a sea of toys around me, you know, at this point. Except, except for Chris Rainey, I feel like, take all my money. <laughs> well, she actually did uh, take some of his money because she went and did some, some of his shopping for him. No, she didn't. <laughs> uh, she did. Chris knows I have a special place in my heart for him and Amanda. I they, To be fair, Teresa would have done it for several vendors because she knows they can't get away from their booth and get their one. So she would help that a lot of people. I love all people. I love everyone out there, even if I didn't stop and say hi or I had to rush past or any of that. You said, so. so Teresa, your roommate was the Naughty Rabbit, Elizabeth. Is that right? Yes. She's got good art. She does. So yeah. she's actually been trying to vendor. She vendored once at Five Points and has been trying to get into decon. And she actually came this year as kind of a dual purpose, one to kind of explore and shop and learn the scene, but also from a vendor perspective, just to get a feel for how the vendoring works and get some vendor tips. So yeah, she does some really f- cool sculpts. Totally be a vendor here. This stuff's cool. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. So shout out to you, Elizabeth. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's a really good artist. Holy cow, look at that. Yeah, no, she's good. But guys, we're at an hour 35, almost hour 35, so we should probably start wrapping up the show. I guess to recap it or abridge kind of what we've talked about. I know we probably came across sounding kind of negative on the show, but that's that's not the case. We all had a great time. It was an excellent event. So congratulations to Ben and his team for handling the move well. I know that couldn't have been easy and it was stressful on them, but um, we did take a large sampling of vendor comments and attendee comments, and we were just kind of expressing them here on the show. Uh, but Overall, excellent event. I mean, it's, it's definitely changing. We all know that. It's growing, and it's maybe become a little more commercial. It's not just designer toys anymore. It's designer toys and more, and I think this year a lot of us noticed more of the more than anything. But, you know, I look forward to next year. I think they're going to – this year was a, a growing pain scenario, and they're going to learn from it and take our feedback, and I expect next year to be even better. So uh, looking forward to seeing everyone there next year. I agree. I mean, the big the big thing for me always at, at this point, at least, is the people like for and I feel bad for the vendors that it's changing a bit and maybe not as easy to hang out. But for me, as someone who's walking around, that's my favorite part, getting to see everyone that I don't get to see all the time. So I didn't lose that at all. And so that I was happy with it because of that. Right. And that's actually, honestly, that's one reason I stopped exhibiting at these shows because I enjoy spending time with my friends more than anything else. You know, sometimes when you exhibit, you're stuck behind a booth and you don't always get to get away and talk to the people and hang out with the people you want. And so, yeah, I, you know, I don't have many in town friends. I have coworkers and I have family and I hang out with my family majority of the time. And when these shows come around, that's my time to go out and hang out with my toy family, all my online friends. And I have a great time when I'm doing it. And it's awesome that I can go there and still be able to pick up those much wanted toys and get in that much needed friend time. I agree. And it just makes me all that more excited for five points. Like I'm ready to do it again. Let's all gather and hang out and talk. Bring to it us. On. Take George. Bring it on. Huh? Take George with you. Yeah. Come yeah, to five let's, points, let's go. George. Yeah, let's go, George. Thing is coming out. 
<laughs> and I, I gotta say, I, biggest complaint is let's. I know it's probably cheap. It's probably a cost savings thing, but we gotta get DesignerCon off the weekend before Thanksgiving. It's a horrible week for travel, and even for doing this podcast, it's just like your your con high is gone so fast because you're already switching modes for Thanksgiving. It's just I want it off this weekend already. I hate it. I agree. I agree. And I, I saw that the new dates for next year is going to be the same thing as the weekend before Thanksgiving again. And it, it sucks. I mean, cause you go from, Oh yes. Awesome. But then you're stressing. Like for me, it's just, I was stressing about having a clean house and getting back and getting ready for family. And it's like, you don't even get to enjoy the bliss of like, ah, toys and friends. And ah, it's just like, ah, straight into the next. So I agree. It'd be great if they could shift things around a bit and not make it so close to the Thanksgiving holiday. Totally agree. But okay, well, that's a good chat. Yeah. So, real quick, memorable moments. I have to say, you were saying your most memorable moment was this whole bathroom incident, Gary. But for me, so because Eric was your roommate and Elizabeth and mine, we all kind of hung out a lot. And um, one of the nights that we went to Orange, it was you drove Eric and I back into Anaheim. And for some reason, Eric out of the blue started singing, do you want to build a snowman? I was like, why are you singing Frozen? But he came out of the blue, started singing it. And I was like, screw this. I'm into this. So literally Eric and I start having a sing-along of all these Frozen songs. It was probably the most fun I've ever had just because it came (laughs) completely out of the blue. But the best part was that you, Gary, didn't know Frozen at all. I can't believe you. No, I've never seen it. I, of course, I know the songs. I know Let It Go and all that, but I've never actually sat down and watched the movie. And you guys were singing songs I don't know the lines to, but it was cool. I was just sitting there driving. You guys were doing carpool karaoke back there, so that was fun. It, it was like one of those moments where, you know, you know, Eric, as an artist, you kind of know him, and he's kind of a chill, casual guy. Just, just to have him start singing Frozen <laughs> songs with yeah. me was the – it was just the best thing ever, and I had an absolute blast. So thank you, Eric, for singing Frozen with me. So many good Eric moments. I wish we had time to tell them all. And It's just you and I. We could just reminisce about it later. But uh, there was another night on Sunday night. We skipped lunch, and we ended up going to dinner really late. And you were super hangry. But then Horrible Adorables walks into the pub carrying something in their arms covered by a jacket. What was that? Oh, yeah. So I was very hangry. And I apologize, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) It was attending. I was super hangry. But yeah, they walk in the door and they had a super plastic janky case. And they walk in and put it on the table. And I'm like, wait, what? Did yours already ship? And I'm like, wait a minute. They haven't shipped yet? I was like, did you get put in the series? Like they, they knocked two artists out. Are you one of the secret artists that got added in and like got a artist proof case or something like thinking all this stuff. And they're just sitting there like not saying anything. And they open the case, start handing on the boxes and they're empty. They're empty. It was like some kind of proof box that they had found when they were doing vendor cleanup that someone had like sat by a trash can. So I don't know whose <laughs> janky box that was, but uh, we got a hold of it. And they fooled me. They punked me so hard. I was like, what's this? I get to see them? Oh, my gosh. And then I was like, oh, it's just a stupid box. Just a dumb, empty box. It wasn't even just it was like it was an empty box. It was just a, a display case of nothing. Even on, on top of all the boxes, it said blank. So I don't think there ever was any toys in any of those boxes. So, But good on Horrible Adorables for, for digging that out of the 
pile of trash there and, and bring it and fucking us. They got us good. So, um, George, Jess, you got any memorable or favorite moments? Oh, I have a fun story. I have a fun story. Um, our hotel room gave us two separate beds and we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> you all didn't sleep in the same bed? No, not in the no. same bed. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I would <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was fun. So there you go. There is our designer con wrap up. The end. The end. Why didn't you guys each take a brief moment and let people know where they can find you? Teresa, go first. Sure. If you want to find me, check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. George. I am at double G toys on Instagram. And you can check out my store envy at doublegtoys.storeenvy.com and I just put up new stuff from the convention so go check it out. Nice. Jess, I know you want to keep things private but I want to say I'm glad that you and I are on slightly better terms now. I had, I know, I know. I gave you the stink eye accidentally I think at least twice but You can't hate me. You can't. It's impossible. You know what it is? I think it's because you remind me of Greg so much. it's like if i hate you i hate greg and i can't do that you can't you can't do that to greg i get it special going on they can't i get it when i look at you i see him (laughs) man all right so uh i'll go next i'm gary ham you can find me at gary ham on instagram or superham.com this has been the marsham toy hour we do this every week not because we have to because we want to. <laughs> because we have to. And actually, we're gonna be we're gonna be going on winter break. I, we might do one more episode, but for most of December, we're gonna be silent, and we will come back in season four in January. So, until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye.